0: It was a long time ago, before cell phones were prevalent, and I was a mom in my early 30s who had just driven our kids to the pediatrician. The Macon, Georgia doctor's office was an hour away from our home, and I was just taking the two youngest of my three, then ages one and three years old, to our scheduled appointment. Because we lived so far away, their offices gave us the last two appointments of the day, and we were grateful. The doctor had just built a new building Off of a fresh spur of the highway so the location was quite isolated in every direction but a very nice facility compared to his old spot by the hospital there his new building was also pretty far back on the new lot and my car a black jeep cherokee we had owned for two years was one of only four or five cars in the parking lot when we got there i parked near the front door removed the kids from their car seats and for the next hour or so, we waited, then saw the doctor, paid, and finally exited back outside. Mine was the only car left in the lot, as I loaded the children in their car seats for our trip home, but as the receptionist locked the front glass doors, my car somehow wouldn't start when I turned the key. There was just an odd clicking noise. Gathering the children once again, I knocked on the door until someone allowed us back in and asked to borrow their phone to call a nearby garage for service. I found one in the phone book, and the man said that he would come, but that it might be a bit, so I told him my location, left to go back out to the car, rolled down all the windows, and loaded the children back into their seats once more as we waited. Soon we watched as all the lights were turned out in the building again and everyone left. Their cars departing one by one from behind the building somewhere, leaving us now completely alone in the parking lot. As it was still light, I spent a lot of that time trying to tend to the children, digging through our car for snacks and a bottle, making sure that they weren't getting too hot, etc. Although the service station attendant said that it was probably going to be quite a while, I was pleasantly surprised when a truck pulled into the empty parking lot pretty soon and a man got out of his pickup, smiled, and nodded to me, and said he was going to raise the hood. He was middle-aged and a bit scruffy, but quite frankly, many gas station attendants sometimes looked that way, especially at the end of the day, and I was grateful when he began doing something under the hood almost immediately. I sat down in the driver's seat with the door open, waiting for him to tell me to try the engine, but he seemed to be taking a long time checking the connections and I longed for him to just grab my jumper cables, yet he never did. Without getting out of the car, I asked him what he thought was wrong, and he said, Oh, it's just a loose wire, not the battery, and continued whatever he was doing. I couldn't see his face at all from where I was sitting, but his hands were slightly visible through that long horizontal slit between the windshield and the raised hood as we waited. More than once, he said that it was merely a loose wire, And if I would just come up here real quick, he would show me which one it was, so it would never happen again. I remember kind of smiling and shaking my head, saying that sadly there was no reason to show me anything, as I didn't know anything about cars. I just thanked him and continued to stay in the driver's seat, again just waiting for the inevitable signal to try to start the engine that was most surely coming any moment. At one point, I remember thinking that he was definitely flirting as he spoke but I was trying above all to be polite and kind, as he was indeed helping us. We were hot and tired and miserable, and truthfully, I was distracted with the kids. Oddly enough, he was starting to sound a little frustrated with me, because I wouldn't come up and look at the engine. I remember thinking that I certainly didn't want to make him mad where he left us there all alone, with the sun sinking so quickly. And then the strangest thing happened. Another truck suddenly pulled into that desolate parking lot, and as it did, this nice guy working underneath my hood suddenly slammed it shut, ran to his truck, started it, and drove away very quickly, without even saying a word of goodbye. I was both confused and a little anxious when he did this, because I didn't know who was now arriving. I remember feeling a little frightened that he had suddenly left me there all alone with two little ones defenseless. Why wouldn't he at least stay and speak to whoever was parking next to me now? Certainly seemed the southerly gentleman thing to do. I looked around and was very aware, once again, that there were no visible cars on the road, no homes or businesses nearby, and the sun was continuing to set quickly. As this new, also unmarked, pickup pulled in next to me, I got out of the car once again, this time more apprehensively. Upon exiting, though, he immediately introduced himself, and his name and voice seemed to match who I had spoken to on the phone much earlier. He then actually called me by name, apologized for being so late, and, finally, smiled and started towards the road, pointing and asking who the man was that had just left so suddenly. Relieved and unfazed, I just smiled back in surprise and told him, Well, I don't know. I thought all of this time he was you. And we both laughed slightly, as he then grabbed jumper cables walked to the front of my car, raised the hood, and started to work. I immediately sat back in the driver's seat once more, suddenly grateful that, with luck, that air conditioner would be blowing full blast shortly and once again checking the children. While listening for the familiar words, try it, I had my back completely turned towards the children, when he surprised me by suddenly coming to the driver's side door. In the strangest voice he said, Um... Ma'am, is this yours? And when I looked into his hands, he was holding a long, thin, dagger-like looking device that was about a foot and a half in length. It appeared to be very old and covered with reddish rust, yet on one end it had tiny, circular, small finger holes, as if it was a mix of a long, thin sword and scissors oddly combined. I remember being amazed, but not frightened, and I asked where he had found them. "'Under the hood,' he replied. "'I said just matter-of-factly that I had never seen them before, "'but how weird was it that those things had somehow been stuck "'and undiscovered in my car for all those years?' "'And shook my head in surprise.' "'He continued to stand there and stare at them, unbelievingly, "'and he looked oddly pale, too, "'like he couldn't find the words to speak for a bit, "'just continuing to stare at the unusual object.' Honestly, I didn't care one bit about it. All I could think of was getting the car going, letting me pay him and the cost, and leaving. He didn't say anything else, just quickly set them on the curb, started his truck, and then signaled for me to start the Jeep. And when it immediately caught, my three-year-old cheered. Grateful, I quickly turned on the air conditioner full blast, rolled up all the windows, aimed the vents back towards the back seat, and reached for my purse to pay out. I stood up and took a few steps to meet him so I could hear the amount now owed. With both of our vehicles running, he came back around to my driver's side, but instead of handing me the bill, irritated me a bit by walking right past me and picking up that weird object once more. Ma'am, he said slowly, I want you to look at these one more time, and held them out for closer inspection. This time I moved a bit closer and actually really looked. In his hands, the item still appeared incredibly large, possessing an almost bayonet-looking quality, except for the strange small two loops on one end. I had never seen anything like it, and told him so. As he held it, he spoke quietly and slowly to me, as if trying desperately to make me understand something that was somehow still going over my head. These weren't hidden somewhere in the engine, ma'am. They hadn't been there very long at all, because they were sitting right on top. They must have just been put there. I shook my head no and half smiled as I did. But they're obviously very old and rusty. To which he pointed more closely and replied, Yeah, but see how sharp they are? These look like they've just been sharpened. And when I looked down, he was right. The long, skinny, dagger-like shape was unusual, but by far the oddest quality was just how sharp it appeared to be. The edges at the tip where the rust had been removed were gleaming silver. As I paid him, his final words to me were, Ma'am, I don't know what was about to happen here, but I'm really glad I pulled up when I did. He quietly thanked me when taking the payment, told me that I probably needed to call the police when I got home, and then asked me where I wanted the item. I didn't want to touch it, didn't want to take it at all, but I released the back window so he could place it inside. We both then left the lot together, him turning one way, me turning the other, towards the small, winding highway that would lead home, still an hour away. I did indeed contact the Macon police the moment that we arrived home, and I got the children inside safely, but although they listened politely, they declined when I offered to bring the scissor-like thing to them later. The officer I spoke to said that they sounded as if they were specialized surgical shears, for my description and measurements on the phone, which I found quite disturbing, as you can imagine. I remember wondering, how he would even know that, and why would he say that? I had tried so carefully not to touch any of the surfaces, hoping that they might be able to lift fingerprints, or test it for blood if they wanted, but the story seemed to bore him a bit, and he didn't seem interested. His attitude insinuated that, as there was no longer an emergency, it was of no importance now. At the very end of the call, as if to wind things up, he did say that it sounded as if I was very lucky, and that I might want to keep the shears for a few days, just in case someone from his office got back with me later. But that was all. I wrapped them carefully in newspaper and placed them in the brick storage unit behind our house, and there they remained for several more years, untouched, until we moved away, and I finally, not wanting to bring them across several states, reluctantly threw them in the trash. Around that time, though, if you look through old news reports, women were going missing all over Georgia. Some bodies were eventually found, but others remain missing to this very day. I have often wondered what would have happened if the service station attendant hadn't arrived when he did. If my children would still have a mother. If I would have still had my son and daughter. If I would have missed all these years with them. I guess I'll never know but I learned something very important about myself that day. I had always felt that I was pretty aware of my surroundings, pretty good at reading people and staying safe. But because I was exhausted and tired and hot and stranded in a different city, my common sense and intelligence simply left me for a bit and wasn't working at that time. And many of my friends and family still think that our car trouble that day and my lack of awareness could have easily cost us our lives. Since almost a year now, end of August 2019 to be exact, I have moved to an apartment in a different city because my mother, who I lived with in my hometown, passed away from cancer. I have moved here with my long term boyfriend and one other roommate, who has been a good friend of both of us since before we had even started dating. We all absolutely love it here. The location is great, it's a 15 minute bike ride from my university. And it's located at a square with a grocery store, drugstore, lunchrooms, etc. So we pretty much have everything we could possibly need to survive within walking distance. However, after just a month or two of living here, someone has started to ring my doorbell at exactly 11.05pm semi-regularly. Sometimes every day, sometimes every other day. Sometimes there's a week in between, and sometimes there are a couple of weeks in between. But it is always at around 11.05pm, and every single time, I get no answer each time I ask through the intercom who it is, except for one time, but I will get to that in a bit. At first I thought it were friends from one of the neighbors who accidentally rang the wrong doorbell, but after about the fourteenth time I grew suspicious, and after more than those four times... I started noticing that it always happens at either exactly 11.05pm or a few minutes earlier or later. My boyfriend and roommate both work at bars, and so they work until very late, and would usually only get home around 2am. So each time it happened, I was always alone at home, and it started to really freak me out after a while. When I first told them about it, they kind of shrugged it off and said that it was probably a wrong dial, like I thought at first, but when I told them that it has happened so many times, and sometimes even daily, they didn't really believe me, and thought I was just a little paranoid and spooked. However, one night when the doorbell rang again, and I answered the intercom asking who it was, I heard very heavy breathing. I was thoroughly spooked at that moment. I was again home alone and kept asking who they were and what they wanted. I couldn't make out from the breathing if it was a man or a woman but I heard a strange mumbling and whispering and then it was dead silent and they had appeared to have left. I had put my apartment door on a double lock after that. I was so scared and spooked out. Thankfully my roommate got home a little earlier that night around 30 minutes after the doorbell rang and he could tell how upset I was. Now with the corona crisis. My roommate and boyfriend aren't able to work anymore, and they now also witness the frequent door ringing at 11.05pm. So they now do believe me, and agree that it is very odd and creepy. We have a balcony that looks down at where our apartment building's main front door is, but because there's also a shop right underneath us that's always had those curtain roof things out, the view to the door is partially obscured. Every time our doorbell rang, Me, my boyfriend, and my roommate would go to the balcony to see if we could see anyone. But we never could. I have also asked my neighbors from my apartment building if their doorbell also gets rang so often. But the ones that I asked all said that it has never happened to them. So two weeks ago, my roommate decided to do some investigating and went outside our apartment building at 11 p.m., standing across the street and pretended to have a smoke while keeping an eye on the door he said he did see a man who looked kind of suspicious wandering around our apartment building who slowed down his pace significantly as soon as he approached our door but when he spotted my roommate looking at him he quickly walked away we aren't a hundred percent sure if that's the door ringer but that's very very suspicious our doorbell hasn't been rang at night since that day And I'm hoping that maybe it will stop now. But there is a possibility that it will continue again in a few weeks. So, strange man who rings my doorbell at 11.05 at night so often, please stop. I was camping in the middle of nowhere in Washington near Mount Rainier. Like, not an official campground, just way out in the forest where I wouldn't have expected another human for miles. One night I wake up and hear something, open my tent, and there's a guy sitting by where my fire, and there's a guy sitting by where my fire had been right outside my tent, nothing particularly noteworthy about the guy, just a fairly regular looking dude, just sitting there a couple feet from my tent, no bag or pack or anything with him, just a guy. He saw me open the tent, his eyes got huge like he had just seen a ghost and he took off, It shook me up pretty badly but over the next day I managed to put it out of my mind fairly well after writing it off as just some odd occurrence and a guy that was probably high or something and had somehow managed to set up a camp coincidentally not far from mine. Then two days after that and 10 to 15 miles away in totally random directions that nobody could take the same path as on accident. I was sitting by the fire that night and started hearing noises that I got more and more convinced were a person. I called out to them, and out of the darkness someone was like, Do you know how to get to Bell's Canyon? I said no. I don't even think that's a real place there. They kept talking from just out of my line of vision. I tried to see them with my flashlight, but they yelled, Aim that away! And kind of spooked, and not wanting to piss off a potentially crazy person, I did. After like fifteen minutes of being very freaked out, and them talking and asking completely random questions from the darkness, it sounded like the voice had gotten closer, so I shined my light that way again, and it was the same dude who had been outside my tent two nights before. He had to have followed me almost fifteen miles over two days, because there is no way he could have just accidentally wound up in the same spot, as vast as that wilderness is. No possible way. As soon as my light hit him, he took off again. I started to chase him, but didn't want to get lost in the wilderness, in the dark, so I stopped quickly after probably only 100-200 to 200 feet. This one couldn't be written off, because the only way he could have been in both places is specifically if he was following me. I decided the trip was over first thing in the morning, and hiked back out over three days constantly doubling back, trying to throw anyone following off my trail, and occasionally hiding and waiting to see if he would come by, following me. I really can't describe how terrifying it was to feel like I was being hunted through the woods and to actually have to brainstorm on things I could do to best avoid potentially being murdered. On the first night of hiking out, twice I heard what sounded like a person walking circles outside my tent. But by the time I mustered the courage to look, nobody was there. On the second night, I heard what I thought was an animal making noises at first, in the distance, but slowly decided it sounded more like a human making animal calls, but could have actually been an animal, but I didn't actually see the guy again. It really sounded like a person making howling noises. I literally almost cried when I finally got back to my car. The relief was so strong. To this day, probably the most terrifying experience I've ever had. I have no idea who the guy was or what his intentions were, and no way of getting an explanation. But I really can't articulate just what a terrifying few days it was. As a child, think kindergarten age, I love to talk. If anyone had a question for me, I would gleefully give them way too much information. Most people found it endearing and would praise me for being so smart, which encouraged me a lot. My mom and I normally shopped at the market just a few minutes away from our house. My mom had been shopping there for 20-some years at that point and was friends with most of the workers. So I was friendly with them too and was always happy to talk with them. Whenever my mom got distracted talking to someone, I, with the attention span of a six-year-old, would wander around the aisle. My mom would keep an eye on me to make sure I didn't get too far, but if she was distracted, one of the employees would usually be around and gently guide me back over. One day, though, we went to a different market that I couldn't remember having been to before, and we didn't go back to for nearly a decade. We were walking around the aisle when my mom ran into her friend. They started talking, and I, not realizing that I no longer had a store full of adults keeping an eye on me, started wandering around the aisle. My eyes caught some colorful display, I think flowers or balloons or something, and went to look over, and went over to look. Once I was satisfied with my inspection, I turned back to the aisle, only to find my mom wasn't there. Huh, that had never happened before. I looked around a little, though not moving from my spot near the colorful displays. Since it was right near the registers, there was a decent amount of people nearby which I'm thankful for now. As I was looking around, an employee came up to me. He was older than my sister. She was 12 or 13 at the time, and younger than my dad, in his mid-40s, which was about the only way I could gauge age. Now I would say he was probably in his early to mid-20s, if I remember right. Hi there, he said sweetly, in that tone you normally speak to kids in. I cheerfully said hello, actually stepping a little closer. Are you looking for your mommy? I said yes, happily explaining that I had last seen her talking to her friend and that I could normally find her easily when I wandered away. So I wasn't sure where she could have gone. Does she leave you alone often? Not really. My older sister was normally with me if my mom wasn't. She was 12 or 13 and was super mature, so if my mom had to leave for a little bit, She knew I'd be okay, she never left us alone in public, just at home if she needed to run somewhere, never for a very long time, just the length of time of a Pokemon episode or something. And my dad was at work a lot, and didn't come back until late, usually. Just if you were wondering. Where do you live? Well wouldn't you know it, I just learned my address. We just learned how to mail a letter in school even took a little class trip to the mailbox in our school corner to send them out. I knew how to write my address now, and I knew how to say it. Want to hear it? Of course you do. I know kids are naive, but I was downright dumb. I was diagnosed with a doodle color blindness two years later, otherwise known as red-green color blindness. makes sense, as I was totally blind to all the red flags. Where do you go to school? Who picks you up? While I go to the local elementary school, I don't know the address though, sorry, but I know what street it's on, because I wait on the sidewalk for my mom or daycare sitter, depending on the day. So I see the street sign a lot, since I'm usually waiting for a while to be grabbed. Do you like animals? Like puppies? Dogs scare me. Cats scare me. Pigeons scare me. Fish scare me. Flies scare me. You know what doesn't scare me? Turtles. I have five turtles. No dogs that might bark or bite if someone drops by the house like our neighbor does. Those dogs are always behind the gate, though, so they don't scare me a lot. It had only been a few minutes since I last saw my mom. Even with how much information I was dumping, I was a very fast talker. But I was starting to get a little antsy. Not because I was uncomfortable talking to a stranger, but because I had skipped lunch that day specifically to con my mom into letting me get a bagel from the store next door, which is why we were at the market in the first place. My mom was holding on to the bagel to make sure I didn't try to eat it too fast and choke, which I had done several times in the past. I wanted my bagel, and while I liked talking to this grown man who made me feel smart and was oh so interested in my life, I liked bagels more. Plus, if I caught my mom when we were near the bakery section, I might be able to use my charm and cuteness to get a cookie. So I gotta find my mom now. Oh, well, I'll walk around with you and help you find her. You want to lead me through the market you work at, where you can easily bring me to the back room, meat locker, or any number of places? Yeah, sounds good. Ozzy! I look around to see my mom, the relieved look on her face slowly changing into something more anxious. I smile happily and wave her over. She immediately grabs my hand and I can tell she wants to chide me, probably for leaving the aisle, but she seems more occupied on the man in front of me. Before I can even open my mouth to introduce him, or remember that I never even got his name, he quickly says that he's glad I found my mom and he needs to get back to work, and practically runs to the back of the store. My mom puts her hands on my shoulders and looks me in the eye, her expression a lot more worried now. What was he talking to you about? She asked, her voice more serious than I'd ever heard her. Can I have my bagel? My mom opens her mouth, pauses, and goes into her purse to hand me my bagel. Between bites, I happily tell her about the conversation and everything I remembered. My age and grade, pick-up schedules, likes and dislikes, my literal address. My mom gradually became paler, then became red with anger. She brought me over to the manager, and I don't remember much about that conversation. I got a cookie. I remember that pretty well. It was shaped like a watermelon, which was apparently far more important to me than paying attention to what was being said. The police weren't called. We went home, and my mom told me I wasn't allowed to walk around the store anymore. No more talking to any stranger, even if they worked at the store we were at, unless she was with me. If I ever saw that man again i was to run away find someone i know and ask for help if all else fails scream at the top of my lungs just like when a fly lands on me god insects are creepy i agree pleasantly not really fazed by anything she's saying i know that some people are bad but bad people look bad right they talk mean and look scary and try to grab you this guy didn't so he wasn't bad was he But if my mom was saying it, then I had to listen. And I better enjoy that cookie, because we weren't going back to that store ever again. Tears incoming. In exchange, I can get a donut once a month from our usual store. Tears cancelled. When I was around twelve, our school had a safety assembly, and was talking about the shady things adults do to get close to kids, and a very, very watered-down version of what they most likely wanted. And I'm sitting there listening and suddenly realize, oh, if my mom hadn't found me, something bad might have happened. If not in the store, then in front of my school, and if not in front of my school, then my house. A little over a decade later, I'm 18 now, and I've never seen the guy again. Let's keep it that way.